Good morning. It is great to see all of you today. Uh, I want to introduce you to a, a couple people. First of all, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, some of you don't know my wife. Uh, you might not have met her. Um, this is Susan. We've been together for like 36 years, and uh, she's my person. Um, and uh, I just wanted you to meet her. You don't normally see her in church because she's been running the nursery for 36 years <laughs> and uh, probably has heard me preach less than anybody else in this auditorium because uh, she's always out there with the children. So I wanted you to, you know, know, because a lot of people were wondering, like, there's various women around the church that they were thinking I was married to. But I want you to be sure this <laughs> is the one. It's so, But we also want to introduce you uh, to Brent and Laura Dameron. Okay, yes, they are, they are very special to us and will be more special to you as... Uh, Brent has come on board as the executive pastor of ministry here at Crosstown Church. And uh, so we're glad to have him. I know immediately you're thinking, you know, Pastor Paul or Mr. Ben are about to lose their job. It has nothing to do with that. We've been operating as one of the smallest staffs in the country uh, in a church. I just threw that out there. It made statistically <laughs> sounded so much better. But we've been operating so... and. Uh, but we're glad to have them here. And, and how long have you guys been married? Uh, a little over 20 years. 20 yeah, that's years. That's right, 20 and, years. And you guys dated from when you were in high school, right? That's right. Yeah. Of, I tried to get her in eighth grade, but well, she was dating somebody But you else. were in eighth grade, right? I was. Okay, I, was, I, I was, did I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, because we searched the web to find a picture of you guys when you were back in high school, and we found an Olin Mill no, picture. Yeah, here it is right here. This Olin Mills oh, picture. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, I guess now this is, is yeah, I know that's before Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you gave up the rifle. Yeah. But they they're staying with I have us. Some crazy hairdos, but that is not well. I uh, they're staying with us right now at our house <laughs> while they're looking for a house. He still has the parakeet. <laughs> so whenever you see him, just ask him about his parakeet. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> but we're excited to have them they're not new to Crosstown. And uh, what was your kind of sequence? Of yeah, so we started first coming in about 2007, I believe, 2007. Yeah. Came for a few years, pulled back away, started again around 2012, 13. We're here until we moved to Florida during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. we're glad. And, and it was really a God thing because McKenna came up, it was about, what, two months ago? July 4th, July yeah. 4th weekend. Yeah. yeah, came up, came into church. We hadn't seen her for a while. She's just 10 years old. And she came up and hugged me, and she said, um, I, I miss you, Pastor Paul. This is our church. Yeah. And in that moment, I felt like, wait a minute, this is their church. They're supposed to be here yeah. and uh, on staff here. And so, I mean, like, really in that moment, talked to Chris McLean. I mean, in that moment, I think by the time you were heading out the door, you were meeting with him, and by the following morning, you were meeting with me, and by the end of the week, you were employed here at Crosstown. Yeah. And so I remember uh, we were driving away to lunch, and I said, I think Pastor Paul just offered me a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's an amazing blessing to be back here. Uh, wow. Yeah. So. And he, him and Laura bring so much to the team. I mean, so it's, it's going to be great. We're, we're excited. You're a blessing to me. Um, and it'll just be great. And we live with them right now. And so if you've got a house for sale I, <laughs> yes. or, or a house to rent for yeah. a short or period Or know someone time. that wants to build, uh, go to Florida. Like we got a beautiful house in Florida. Too. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they're, but they're living with us and we have an opportunity to, they're the real deal, folks. So let me encourage you. Uh, they have gifts to share with all of us and uh, they're wonderful people. So let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this gift that you have given to us in, in Laura and in Brent and their family. Lord God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to direct them as they settle here across town, that you will lead them and guide them as you have given them vision for this ministry and uh, to help expand the culture and the mission of Crosstown. We pray that you would help them get settled in a home and their children uh, settled in friendships. So, Father, we thank you so much for them. And uh, we're excited about what you're going to do 
to expand the work that you have already accomplished here at Crosstown. Thank you for Brent and Laura. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, All let's right. give it up for them. Thank you so much. See you, sweetie. Yeah, I, thank you so much. Uh, you'll have to excuse me. Um, my voice, I was up in New Hampshire and uh, for a wedding, and up in New Hampshire, uh, my, I, my aunts and uncles are Italian, and so they're like in their 90s, 95, 100-year range. So we still kiss on the mouth, okay? I mean, I know that it's not that weird. <laughs> no, I'm, but yeah, but dudes and everything, like they grab a hold of your face, we're so proud of you, Paul, you know, and then kiss you in the mouth. And so there, there was a lot of mouth kissing going on up there in New Hampshire. <laughs> And so that there were other things being passed around, but you know, there was all kinds of things in New Hampshire. New Hampshire's a different place, folks. You need to go visit there. There's more than just the leaves that are falling from the trees. So, um, we, we, so we're, I, today will be a little shorter, um, but I don't think you'll mind that. But we've been talking about this series, Lit. We're back to New Hampshire again. We've been talking about this series called Lit, which actually means literature. Um, no, it doesn't. It means liturgy. <laughs> We're back to New Hampshire again. <laughs> so no, no. Um, when life gets difficult, when it gets crazy and it gets odd, um, as it does, we get this mayhem about life. We live just on the edge of falling over, you know, just making the marriage work, making parenting work, making the budget work, making, you know, a society. And we have to have a rule of life, some, some intentional plan, conscientious plan of implementing God principles and keeping God in the center of our lives. And that's what liturgy is about. Uh, liturgy is a word that, that is like the, the practice of um, God wisdom and applying it to our lives. It's because of what Paul said in Ephesians chapter five. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Then he says this, make the most of your time, meaning that you gotta think about the intentional rule of life for you. What is God trying to do? You can't just wing it. You don't, you don't have enough time to just wing it, but rather begin to think about what you're doing with your life. A lot of Christians will operate, and there is some biblical truth to, well, God just will do it. If God wants it to happen, it'll happen. If God opens a door or whatever, and you jump out a window or some, some little axiom like that. And, and, and then we have the Apostle Paul is like, no, listen, you've got to decide to be intentional about your life. You've got to decide to import the wisdom of God in parenting, in marriage, in relationships, at your job, at work, in the things that you do, whether it's waking up in the morning, whether it's how you have meals together, how you relate with people, that there's got to be this intentionality that you import into life and understand what the will of God is. So liturgies is the, are the patterns of living that repeat over and over again the pattern of God's wisdom and love, it's, they're kind of like trellises. They, they are the patterns, the things that we repeat over and over again that we grow the flourishing of God on, that the truths of God begin to flourish in our lives because we provide some structure, some sense of pattern of life, some intentionality to our lives. So we talked about liturgies. We talked about waking up, you know, that don't just wake up, that there's a liturgy to waking up and some things you can practice. And, and, and this morning was one of those mornings where I woke up, first thing I, out of my, in my mind, I know you're thinking, it's like, you gotta speak to a couple hundred people. That's gotta be the first thing. No, no, there's a nine o'clock football game. You gotta make sure you have your fantasy football team in before nine o'clock. So the first thing I'm thinking is I'm reaching over and I'm just about to reach for the phone. And it was like, you know, don't do it. So I do a quick slip out of bed, tuck and roll down to my knees, and get onto my knees and say, Father God, I just thank you for your love. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're a great God. Thank you for loving me so much. Got back in bed, grabbed that phone, and opened up ESPN and began to look at my thing and put it in place. You say, well, did that do much? Yeah, it did. It actually halted my brain and said, listen, there are first things that are first, 
and you need to be about first things first. You can have ESPN, you can have football all day long, but you need to make sure God is God and ESPN isn't God. And so liturgies are things that we, these kinds of rules of life that we implement, they don't make God love us more. It just brings the love of God more into us. We experience the fulfillment of God more in our lives. We're not earning him, it's, but rather it's just kind of like a way that we grow our relationship with God up. So we talked about that. We talked about mealtimes, just doing dinners together. We talked about how we converse with each other, the way, the words that we use. We talked last week, Brian shared with us about habits of devotion, going out of your way to be in God's presence. Not just the things that we do by every day, like waking up and eating, but actual intentional God things. Well, today we're gonna be talking about the liturgy of bedtime. And yeah, I know you're like, wow, you know, you're a grown adult, you don't need anybody to tell you how to go to bed. I think you're gonna be surprised that maybe you could enhance your bedtime. You could enhance how you close out your day. Um, And so we all, and today we're gonna learn the difference between sleep time and bedtime. But I love sleep, and the older I get, the less it seems to be that way. Anybody else here, as you're getting older, you're finding it's really difficult to get a full pattern of sleep? Yeah. You would think it would be just the opposite. You'd think you'd get older since you're, that God would like practice you for death, you know, that you would like sleep longer and longer. And it's like, dang, I'm not getting good at dying here because I just can't sleep real well. And so, um, but we all have routines for it. Maybe a favorite TV show that you put on in the background. We have a favorite TV show. Uh, a show. It's called Downton Abbey. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's perfect for sleeping. You put on and you listen to Yes, my lord, Carson the Butler, and you know all that stuff. I'm out. Just I'm mean, just like that. You put on some Downton Abbey, and maybe you have a glass of milk or some sort of routine that you do to go to sleep. And you know, one of the things that's emerged that's different is uh, with this new, new technology and generation is white noise. You know, and my grandkids introduced it to me. It's like, you got a phone, you got an Alexa, you can just put white noise on so the grandbaby can sleep. And so the kids, and so whenever the grandkids are at the house, we'd have white noise machines or we'd be using our phones for it. And so it's really interesting, I've started doing some white noise myself. And so I, I have a whole playlist of white noise. Um, you probably have heard this one before. Let's okay, that's, you know, kind of a good one for fall asleep. And then let me ask you, we're gonna be talking a lot about this, so try to stay awake. Here's, here's another one, the cool air and rain. Oh yeah, oh man, I just feel it. That pillow is just, wrapping itself around me right now. Then, this is new technology. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, pump this real loud. Let me hear this loud. Yeah, this is called brown noise. Not just white noise, we got brown noise, folks. But you know what, when I hear this noise, all I think is a giant Carillion battleship stopping over the surface of the earth. And they're about to take me and the cows and our souls and merge them in some spaceship, you know? So this one does, I get a little nervous. But there's another one, uh, Pleasant Waves. This one's good, you know? And then it rolls into the next one. The Dreamy, the dreamy Creek. Well, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on with that one. Okay, then there's the Calm River noise. Oh yeah. See, when you put those last three together at my age, you're running to the bathroom. I mean, it's just, that's, that's just what's happening. Um, this, this is a one I like a lot. It, uh, it's summertime creeks, crickets. I mean, just listen to it. You're up in Bar Harbor, Maine, you're in a tent. You're just about to go to sleep and you hear the sound of a bear grunting around your campground. And then there's, it's called Mars Wind. Yes, but it's not really Mars wind. Uh, this is an airplane cabin noise. So you're kind of like at 30,000 feet, you know? That sounds good, I like that one. Then I like Sleepy Train. They've kind of woven this in together. Get a little, yeah, I get kind of, a little, oh 
yeah, oh yeah. But then my grandson, this really happened. And he, because when the grandkids are over the house, they like to have their white noise and they sleep in our, some of them sleep in our room. So my older grandson, he was sleeping with us and this is what he wanted played. Yeah, just like that. I am like, this is not a friggin' runway. We are, you know, we are not doing it. It's like, Papa, I need to have it. I'm like, you're out of here, you know? So we got him out, but these are all little things that we do to sleep, but we're not talking about sleep. We're talking about something so much more important. So I want to bring in, an, in another book to talk about it with. And, and let me just say, you may think today is kind of silly. Um, I was sick all week, and Wednesday I was really sick. And, and so, but Thursday was like, dude, you got to go to work. I mean, you got you to gotta preach. And God just gave me this book. I mean, just that, I, really, just like I had no reason to be thinking about this book. And then when I read this book and started looking into this book, it was like, this is, makes perfect sense about what God is talking about, how we do bedtime. So it's a great book. Now, it's not one of the books of the Bible. It's not a Pulitzer Prize winner either. But it's one of my most favorite reads of all time. It is Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown and Clement Hurd. Anybody ever read Good Night Moon? Or had it read to you? Yeah, it's an absolute uh, incredible book. Um, and so I started like, good night, moon. What's, what could I learn from? So this is the first time um, a theological and philosophical perspective was ever put to reading good night, moon. So I'm like looking, going through, and it's like, what is it possible that God is communicating to me from this children's book? What is it? Um, it's a book. The theme of it is preparing for sleep and coming to rest with everything in your life. That's what we're talking about. It's about preparing for sleep, but coming to rest with everything in your life. So if you haven't seen it, or if maybe if you loved it as much as I do, um, let's enjoy seeing the book together. Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown. Pictures by Clement Hurd. In the great green room, there was a telephone, and a red balloon, and a picture of the cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on chairs and two little kittens and a pair of mittens and a little toy house and a young mouse and a comb and a brush and a bowl full of mush and a quiet old lady who was whispering hush Good night, room. Good night, moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Good night, light and the red balloon. Good night, bears. Good night, chairs. Good night, kittens. And good night, mittens. Good night, clocks. And good night, socks. Good night, little house. And good night, mouse. Good night, comb. And good night, brush. Good night, nobody. Good night, mush. And good night to the old lady whispering hush. 
Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. The end. So if you're a 35-year-old single male in this building today, you're like, this is whacked. I'm telling you, it's going to make perfect sense. Because when I looked at the book and I was reading the book, the book does two things. It, it's the nighttime experience, and it does two things. It surveys, and then it speaks. And I began to think about it. It surveys everything that's in the household. We all have a household. You have, you, whether you live in a house or an apartment, or whether you're married or you're not married, but you have a household. It's the you part of you and those who you're doing life with, friends, coworkers, whatever they may be. But so what this does is this book talks about the surveying of the household. How are things going on in the household? How are, they, how are things operating in the household? And then not only recognizing what's on in the household, but beginning to speak to everything in the household. I mean, this is very powerful. Good night room, good night moon, cow jumping over the moon, the light, the red balloons, the bears, the chairs, the kittens, the mittens, the socks, the socks, the little house, the mouse, the comb, the brush, the old lady saying hush, the bowl of mush, the stars, the airs, the noise everywhere, even the nobody's there. It's about walking around your life your relationships, your home, and restoring peace to them. It's surveying the, what you just did in your day, taking a look at all the things of your life, your household, what you've done, and surveying them, recognizing what you have, what you have done, what you have not done, who is with you, who you live with, who you love, who are your friends, who are the people you work with, how you treated your day, and you come to this end of this day and, and you survey what went on in the day. See, most of us are just falling asleep on the couch. And that's it. We have a biological sleep time. But rather, we're called to this bedtime where at the end of the day, and we all get one too. It's amazing. You, sure, your schedule may be a little bit different, but we all get funneled into this closing of this chapter of a day where the book closes. The question is, is how are we closing the book? Are we surveying what's going on in our house? Are we looking at what's going on in our marriage? I mean, basically, it's like, how did I talk to my kids? How did I talk to my wife today? How did it go at work? Did I say the things that I really wanted to say? Did I do what I was supposed to do? And nighttime, this bedtime is the time of surveying your relationships and then intentionally restoring peace to everyone in the house, to uh, between everyone in the house, and even with God. So when you put it all together, bedtime is about sending to bed with a settled soul. I mean, what an important, just thinking of that phrase, it's so powerful. Sending everything to bed with a settled soul whether they are mistakes, whether they are successes, whether they are eight-year-olds or whether they are 55-year-olds, regardless, that it's sending to bed with a settled soul. Because throughout the day, stuff happens for every one of us. Some of it, the day has been successful. Some of the day has been successful. Some of the day has been sloppy. You know, I have days where I'm incredibly sloppy. I'll have a success moment, and then I'll have a sloppy moment. And then I'll have a sanctified to God moment. There's, during the day, I will have some pretty good moments. I'll be like, huh, you really knew. You really did good there. You, you really were nice to that person. You really were kind. You said the right thing. And then some of my day is simple. I mean, it's, it's like say the wrong things, uh, just not doing what you're supposed to do. And so we've got all this in our household, success, sloppy, sanctified, and sinful. And you've got it too. I mean, there's some things you're awesome at. There's some things you stink at. 
There are some things that you're doing, you're winning at. There's some things you're losing at. There are some things that you're like, man, the God of heaven is so proud of what you just did. And there are some things that you're, you know, that are sources of shame in your life. And so what do we do with that? We don't let the sun go down on it. We, it, we survey and speak to the things in our household. We address them. You know, metaphorically, you can look at it this way. Bedtime is the time to pick up the Legos um, and put them in the bucket. I, when you have kids, Legos are big. They're cool. They're easy. You can just throw them a whole bucket, and you maybe get like a half an hour to yourself. But the, but the Legos go everywhere. And you know that if you don't pick up those Legos, that about, you know, because you've been listening to white noise, at about three o'clock when you go to the bathroom, that you're gonna step on some of those Legos. And the good night moon is gonna be, it's gonna have a new chapter to it, you know? <laughs> and so you gotta pick up those, Leg those Legos, or otherwise you're gonna step on it. That's what nighttime is, that's what bedtime is, is when we're like, okay, all the, all the fabric of life, all the fractions and factions of life that have been busted out and all the things that we've used, all the words that have been said are scattered all over the, the, the living room floor. And at the time when you need to gather them all up, survey them, put them back into their proper place, make sure they're resolved, because otherwise tomorrow morning, you'll still have to deal with the Legos, but pain will be involved. Or think of it this way, is that bedtime is the time to make sure that the dishes have been rinsed off, metaphorically. You know what it's like to not wash your dishes before. You know, nobody wants to wash them all, but you want to rinse them off. And, and, and at nighttime, I like a good bowl of cereal like most people. You know, I, that's how you watch Star Trek, is with a bowl of cereal. It doesn't make any sense without the bowl of cereal. And so, but, so I eat a lot of brand. And um, so there's something about brand cereal. Because if you leave brand on a ceramic surface like a bowl, the following morning, you're chuk, 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 chuk. you're chiseling that thing off. And I've actually stared at that and just looked at it as like, you know, could that be used like in manufacturing some way? You know, like building houses, some sort of mortar? Because if you don't rinse the bowl tonight, tomorrow you'll be fighting with the bowl. And that's what we're talking about. The power of bedtime is where you rinse the dishes, where you pick up the Legos, where you all the mistakes and all the sloppiness, all that stuff gets put in its proper place. Because if you don't, it is going to be tomorrow's problem. It's gonna be tomorrow's conversation. It's gonna be tomorrow's silent treatment. It's gonna be tomorrow's bitterness. It, you know, and so this bedtime opportunity is absolutely amazing. It is true of our souls and the souls of our loved ones. We need to settle our souls. We need to settle our souls with God. We need to settle the souls of other people. And this doesn't just happen in person. It could be a text message. It could be uh, a phone call. God forbid, I know we don't do those anymore. And it doesn't just have to be a family member. It could be somebody at work. Have you ever had that problem? And I've had that problem here where you just didn't click with a coworker. You know, it just didn't work out. Or, you know, you, you, had, to, you, know, you had to press a little harder than you normally had to press to get something done. Or, or because your vision of something and somebody else's vision collided and, and it really didn't come out. And then you just send out a text message because you're surveying and then you're speaking. Text with, hey man, I know we didn't get along real well today. Just wanna let you know, you're still my person. You're still, you're still the dude. You're still the one. I love you and I, I love what you bring to the team. I mean, that's, what a way to, to uh, use the nighttime is to send out a message to somebody to settle their soul. Bedtime can be a time when we mop up what we spilled during the day, seeking forgiveness. Ephesians 4, uh, 26 says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So at nighttime, and I have to admit, there are some parts of the Christian faith I don't do real well with. Um, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm just not good at it at all. I mean, I'm, I wanna be, 
you know, and I ask God to help me be, but there are some things I'm not, I am actually good at this. I, this happens to be one, nighttime liturgy is really, and going around and finding out who I've done wrong and talking with them about that, particularly in the family, is a big deal for me. Because this scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Seek forgiveness. You know, don't let it just the mayhem to continue into the next day. Seek forgiveness from another person with your spouse. Doesn't mean you have to explain, get into this lengthy conversation. Well, you just misunderstood me. And if, you know, well, you took it the wrong way. No, that's not what you're supposed to be doing at night. Okay, you're not supposed to be, you know, uh, kicking the dragon. What you're supposed to be doing is seeking forgiveness. Like, listen, I know we didn't get along, and, and I know I contributed highly to that, and um, I'm just asking you to forgive me. And I, it's amazing that all of a sudden you can sleep in two beds, and then, you know, without forgiveness, you're actually like this. But, you know, with forgiveness, all of a sudden her hand comes over, and you're holding hands, and... And it's just like, what did you do? It was kind of like settled the soul. Go with, I talked to my kids about, hey, you know, I fussed at you the other day. You know, and it, and it can I just tell you as parents, we are unsettling the souls of our kids and we don't even know we're doing it. I'm not trying to be a jerk, you know. Um, and, and I did it the other day, uh, yesterday, matter of fact, with my granddaughter. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't angry at her, but she thought I was angry at her. I was supposed to be putting her down for a nap, and I thought that'd be a good opportunity for me to get a nap. And so what I didn't expect was I was going to fall asleep before she did. So, I, and I, because of a little congestion, I apparently was snoring pretty loud, and I scared the poor child. So, so all of a sudden, I'm like exhausted because I haven't slept. I, I feel this going like on my finger. And, and I wake up, she goes, Papa. Papa, you're making scary noises. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. Um, why don't you go downstairs and cook, uh, make cookies with uh, Grandma Susu? And she's like, okay, great. So I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go back to bed. Next thing I know, it's, it's like all of a sudden, Papa, Papa. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know the second time. You get woke out on the first one. The second one, it's like you're just like you're not even you. You're like, it's just weird. You're just like, you know, it's so, and I'm like, what, Arlen? And she's like, the cookies are ready. Uh, and so she goes, I'm like, okay, go down. So I roll out of bed, and, you know, I go down there. And she said to me, Papa, are you angry at me? And it was like, I was never angry at her. I was angry I felt sick. I was angry that I didn't get sleep the night before. But so I had to get down on, on one of my knees and just kind of talk to her. And I said, listen, Papa loves you. And Papa's not angry with you at all. And you're, you're my, my sweet granddaughter, and I love you so, so much. And a big smile. But, you know, sometimes you could say something to your 17-year-old son, and you didn't know how deep it cut. You were just thinking you were the man of the house. And you needed to put things in order. That's good. But don't let him go to bed that way. I mean, you could do that. You want to do that from 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock. You want to kick his butt, you know, from here to Sunday. Have at it. Um, but when the clock strikes and it's time to put him to bed or when he's going to bed, even if he's got his back to you and he's facing the wall, you could still go in the room, lay your hand on him and say, listen, son, you don't have to say anything. just want to let you know. I know we didn't do well and... I probably said some things I shouldn't have said. I just want to let you know it. And also, I want to let you know you are still the one thing I ever want you to be, and that's my son. Now, you tell me that ain't going to change a human being's path of life. And that all happens before you go to sleep. Can you imagine that same 17-year-old boy going angry at his dad because of something his dad said? You know, we don't... We. We need to capture this bedtime moment instead of just falling asleep on the couch. And then all the kids have put themselves to bed. <laughs> I mean, it's like everybody, and you just fell out on the couch. This is like what God's calling us to do. Bedtime is a time when you challenge your personal failures of the day. This is super big for me. Favorite verse in the Bible. 
And it's not really, I just lied to you. But it's 1 John 1, 9. It says this, um, if we can, it is the most used um, verse in the Bible in my, in my life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I tell you what, this happens with me. Susan's in there using the bathroom. I got to wait, and I'll be sitting on the edge of the bed, and I'll be like just um, doing the survey and speaking, surveying how did I do today. It's like, well, you really sucked at this. You really were mean to them, and and it'll be like, you, you watch something on TV you shouldn't have, and all that. And this will be the time at night when I will confess my sins to God, tell God I'm sorry and I love him, and just heal the, the relationship between us. You know what I'm saying? Have, why would you go to bed feeling shamed of something? Why would you go to bed feeling guilty of something? I mean, of all the indeterminate things in the world, why not go to sleep with a, with a confidence that your heavenly father and you are good, that everything's cool between you and, and, you and him. And so nighttime is a night, is the time when I, I do inventory of my own personal life and my own personal failures and talk to God. Again, it's not enough just to survey them. You gotta speak to them. Bedtime is to be the most grace-filled moment of the day. And I was thinking about that, and um, is that mornings are hopeful. Mornings aren't graceful. Mornings are hopeful because what are they? They're loaded with potential. So the morning comes along and you hope you're gonna have a good day. But you don't like, it's not like grace is necessary in the morning uh, unless you screwed up your night before. But grace is, no, but it, it, it's, grace is needed at bedtime. And so your bedtime should be your most grace-filled time of the day. I mean, that's the time where you end hostility. Hopefully you put your Legos away and you don't have hostilities in the morning. Because at night, if you use grace, when you go to bed, that's not when you're brilliant. When you go to bed, that's not when you're logical. Uh, When you go to bed, that's not when you're right. When you go to bed, that's not when you make your point. When you go to bed, that's not when you prove you're in charge. Now, those are all real things, but at bedtime, it should be the most grace-filled moment of the day, and that's when you break down and you call an end to hostilities to your children, to your loved ones, to your spouse. It's also where you end speculation because throughout the day, you've had things that you've done, you've interacted, and people don't know where they stand with you at the end of the day. It's like, you know, like when you walk out of the office, you're not like, you know, where are we on that? I don't know where we are. Where's that project going? I'm not sure where that project's going. When are we going to get it done? Don't know. And at the end of the day, it's the same way emotionally. I don't know. I, you know, he, I called him a jerk. You know, it's like, or, you know, I fussed at her or whatever it may be. Or, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the last thing I said to them was, finish your homework. I don't want to see you until you get your homework done. It's like, wow. And before you know it, you're doing your thing, you're doing laundry, and they've gone to bed. And so at the end of the day is when grace should be happening, not wars being won. This is where you end speculation. So you're with your children, and you're reminding them, you're, you're my beloved. You're, you're my daughter. You're my son. You're my person. You're my love. You're my... That's where you, all that that disharmony of the day where you just end the speculation and you just pour out grace over your family. Bedtime can be a time, and I love this little phrase here, is when you prepare the sky for tomorrow's sunrise. So you have the ability to to prepare for your family whether or not their sun is going to rise into the clouds or it's gonna rise into a crystal clear day, into a beautiful sunrise. And what you do is speak through speaking encouragement, through affirming belonging in their lives. What you're doing is you're preparing tomorrow's sunrise. You wanna have a good cup of coffee with your wife in the morning? 
Guess where that coffee gets brewed best? During bedtime. That's when, when you are speaking encouragement and belonging and reaffirming relationship, that cup of coffee in the morning, that all, that all, that, those beans got ground the night before. That, that water got boiled and prepared the night before because you created the sky for the next sunrise. And so if your son's had a bad day, and I don't mean to be saying sons all the time, but I've been one of those, and, uh, and he's flunked out of this, he screwed up that, he got in trouble. You, well, you gotta decide what kind of sky do you want him to wake up to? Is it gonna be cloudy with you? You know, you already pointed out his failure, and it may have been a real failure, and it needed to be dealt with. But what kind of cloud, what kind of sky is he gonna wake up into is determined by you. You know, I remember my dad, he made, it was a bad mistake and, and he long took it back, but um, I remember when I was young in high school and, and uh, I didn't do well in high school, I didn't do good in college. And I remember he said to me, you will never accomplish anything with your life. You will never finish anything. Um, and I tell you, that one word of anger stuck with me uh, and, you know, for decades, that one word spoke to every sunrise, I woke up knowing that this man expects I'm going to screw up today. I never, for, for at least 30 years, never woke up to a sunrise where I believed he believed I could do it, where he believed that I could be uh, something special, that God had created me unique. He determined that my sunrise would always have clouds in it. Now, let me just say, uh, he's in heaven. He in the last 10 years of life, he cleared up all the skies around me. You know, and every day for the, for the last 10 years that I had with him, my sun rose up into clear skies. But you have the power to do that. And when it gets done best is in those twilight hours of the day. Bedtime is also about reestablishing trust in God's care for, your, for tomorrow's anxieties. Let me just read you a couple things that, uh, out of the Bible, and we'll close with this. It, but they do talk about the power of nighttime, and they do talk about this power of um, doing this survey and then speaking to. Psalm 3.5 says this, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me and round about me. It's like, I, it's this idea of I, I went to sleep and I went to sleep with, right with God. There's power to that. And the thing is, is this author is saying that there's 10,000 of people wanna do me harm, but you go to sleep with God right, you can face the 10,000. But if you don't go to sleep with God right, you just made it 10,001 people that you have a problem with, and one of them is God. So that's why liturgy at night is so powerful. Psalm 4, 8 says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. I love that, because it's kind of like the survey and, and speak. It's this idea in peace, meaning that I'm gonna go around and I'm going to create in my environment, peace, and then I'm gonna lie down in it. Some of us can't say this because we're trying to lay down in animosity. We're trying to lay down in unforgiveness. We're trying to lay down um, by being right or whatever it may be, but it says in peace, I will lay down. So you gotta do the peace work. You gotta do the liturgy of talking to each other. Cease striving and know that I am God. Another one comes out of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And this is really important. I will say to the Lord. Okay, so he gives us this little phrase. I will say to the Lord. What is that? A liturgy. That is a predetermined thing he's going to say to God. Uh, this is kind of like, you know, figuring out wh what am I going to talk to, to God at nighttime? What am I going to say? He says, I'll tell you, I'm going to say to God, my refuge and my fortress, you're my God, 
in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper or the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may find a seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulkward. You will not be afraid of the terror by night. I mean, so this is the things that you're, at the end of the day, what you're afraid of, give it to God. What's coming after you, give it to God. What you messed up, give it to God. You have got to say to yourself, you know, this is what I'm gonna say. You are my God and you are my fortress and I will find rest in you and I will trust in you even though there's all kinds of arrows flying up. I mean, I woke up this morning, Israel's at war. You know, I mean, so there are, there are rockets being launched back and forth, you know, and it's, and, and, but not only with Israel, but in your own personal life. There are wars going on. There are plots at work. There are conversations, girlfriends talking about you, you know, guys who are messing with you. There are, there are all kinds of things going on. But he says, okay, so what am I gonna do about that? I'm going to say to myself, I mean, I'm gonna say to the Lord, I trust you, you are my God. When do you do that? Just before you try to lay down with all the going on in your life. David also said, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I lift, uh, live. I will lift up my hands in your name. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I love this. He says, when I am on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. See, how we, sleep, how we do bedtime is important. Most of us are in bed worrying about bills. We're meditating on what so-and-so said at work. We're stepping on Legos all night long. We're waking up to dried cereal on the bowl. But David's like, you know, you might have ruined my day. You're not ruining my sleep. I'm, you're not gonna ruin my life, world. He said, when I'm on the bed, what I'm gonna meditate out on is not all these conversations and scenarios of power struggles at work, you know, or thinking about what if that roof blows off, uh, but rather, I'm gonna lay on my bed and meditate about you in the night watches. And it's like, wow, this is how you do bedtime. First Peter 5, Peter says it kind of the same way. He didn't say bedtime, but it's the same thing. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So when you're going through your life and you say, moon, brush, bowl full of mush, old lady, hush, you know, all the different things. And he said, take all that and cast all your burdens on him. This is, the, this is the bedtime liturgy. Go to your family one by one tonight and reaffirm them before you go to sleep. Dear God in heaven, do not let a child under your roof go to sleep without you first speaking to them. Now they're older. So what? You just, you paid for that door. Just walk in it. Don't go expecting a conversation. I mean, they'll get weird, you know. But just, just, just go in there and speak over your children. And, and just reaffirm them. Clear the sky up for their sunrise to be a crystal blue sky. Put your hand on them. You know, just put your hand on them. Pray over them. I tell you, there's, there's nothing more powerful than a dad or a mom praying for a child, than a husband and a wife hand in hand praying for each other. Settle the souls in your life. Maybe you need to send out a text message. Maybe it needs to be your liturgy. After a bad day at work, you don't just lay in bed thinking about how you'd like to get rid of that doofus. How about sending that doofus a text message? You know, how about settling his or her soul? And then remember that don't go to bed until you've settled your soul in Christ. It's not like you're kind of, 
adding it all up, you know, if I do say this and say three Hail Marys and our Father and an act of contrition, if I promise never to do it again, then draw the line here and then it's like, I'm good with God. No, no, your life will never add up on its own to be good with God. His life adds up that you're good with Him. See, that's the interesting thing about the cross. It is both nighttime and sunrise at the same time. It's really kind of a weird thing. You know, it's, it's the most darkest moment of the soul, but it's the most hopeful moment of life, new life, in both things. So don't ever go to sleep not being right with God through Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm not very religious. All you gotta do is just, it's real simple. You just, these work like this. You, they go like that. And, and, and just, God, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, and I really screwed up. And I just ask that you forgive me. I know you love me because you are both in my darkest night and you are my sunrise. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that easy. I'm not talking about some crazy liturgy. I'm talking about just you talking to God and closing the book and being able to say, good night, moon. Father, I'm so grateful that every night, like a good dad, you visit my soul and you remind me that you don't wanna hurt me. You don't wanna damn me and you don't wanna lose me. And I know I've spent many a night with you with my back to you and the door and I stared at the wall. But you faithfully in Christ laid your hand on my soul and have forgiven me and you have loved me and it is good with my soul because of you so God as we take bread in the cup to remember that it is good with our souls may we also realize that it is our job and calling to settle the souls of those around us that every night, just before the book is closed, that we could survey and speak goodness and good night to all those people in our lives. Thank you, God, so much for loving us.